Blog Talk Radio. Hello, this is Peter Joseph, and you're listening to V Radio. Hello, and welcome to this edition of V Radio. Uh, today we're going to have a great show, actually, um, on the subject of the Venus Project Challenge. My guest will be Brandy Hume. Um, uh, before I get started on that, though, I actually promised to share this link earlier. Now, I'm going to warn you people out there because I usually list my show as listed for everyone, um, but there's a little bit of cursing when the following gentleman is being played on the air, and that's because it's George Carlin. But um, I think that uh, this particular clip is very relevant to what we're doing, and the reason I find this funny is that a lot of libertarians think that George Carlin's on their side and you know corporations are fine and all that other jazz. Well, um, all the stuff I've ever heard from him says otherwise. So I'm going to share this little clip of George Carlin with you and um, enjoy it, obviously. And um, just be aware if you do have kids you know, or if you don't want to hear cursing, you may want to turn this part of the show down. It's only about three minutes long. So here we go. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. I'm talking about the real owners now. The real owners, the big, wealthy business interests that control things and make all the important decisions. Forget the politicians. The politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. They own everything. They own all the important land. They own and control the corporations. They've long since bought and paid for the Senate, the Congress, the state houses, the city halls. They've got the judges in their back pockets. And they own all the big media companies so they can control just about all of the news and information you get to hear. They got you by the balls. They, they spend billions of dollars a year lobbying, lobbying to get what they want. Well, we know what they want. They want more for themselves and less for everybody else. But I'll tell you what they don't want. They don't want a population of citizens capable of critical thinking. They don't want well-informed, well-educated people capable of critical thinking. They're not interested. That doesn't help them. That's against their interests. That's right. They don't want people who are smart enough to sit around the kitchen table to figure out how badly they're getting fucked by a system that threw them overboard 30 fucking years ago. They don't want that. You know what they want? They want obedient workers. Obedient workers. People who are just smart enough to run the machines and do the paperwork and just dumb enough to passively accept all these increasingly shittier jobs with the lower pay, the longer hours, the reduced benefits, the end of overtime, and the vanishing pension that disappears the minute you go to collect it. And now they're coming for your Social Security money. They want your fucking retirement money. They want it back so they can give it to their criminal friends on Wall Street. And you know something? They'll get it. They'll get it all from you sooner or later because they own this fucking place. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. You and I are not in the big club. By the way, it's the same big club they used to beat you over the head with all day long when they tell you what to believe. All day long, beating you over the head in their media, telling you what to believe, what to think, and what to buy. The table is tilted, folks. The game is rigged. And nobody seems to notice. Nobody seems to care. Good, honest, hard-working people. White collar, blue collar, doesn't matter what color shirt you have on. Good, honest, hard-working people continue. These are people of modest means. Continue to elect these rich cocksuckers who don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about you. 
at all, at all, at all. Yes. You know? And nobody seems to notice, nobody seems to care. That's what the owners count on, the fact that Americans will probably remain willfully ignorant of the big red, white, and blue dip that's being jammed up their assholes every day. Because the owners of this country know the truth. It's called the American dream, because you have to be asleep to believe it. Those were some words from George Carlin. Um, may he rest in peace. But uh, I think... Oh. Here we go. I'm going to have to add somebody back to the call. Hold on just a moment. Anyway, um, I think that pretty much debunks any notion that um, George Carlin was somehow uh, <laughs> some kind of um, right-wing capitalist type. Sorry about that, Brandy. Um, I actually have to add you to the call. It's hard for me to add an already, into an already existing call. If you have a lot of problems with your internet, we'll, we'll switch to phone, as we said earlier. But um, uh, hello, everybody. Now, uh, this is Brandy Hume. Please introduce yourself, Brandy. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Brandy, and um, I guess uh, everybody's wanting to know what's going on with the YouTube challenge. Um, I actually didn't fully support the Venus Project um, actively anyway when I first started the channel. I just um, I had a lot of questions as to why so many people had so many objections to such a new and amazing idea that they weren't willing to research any further than, than at least from what I was seeing. There are those that are actually willing to do the research and then, you know, talk about it. And then there are some people who just are immediately turned off by the idea or they want to go on and on and on in a video or in some kind of a blog, specifically blogs about it, um, you know, just making all kinds of assumptions and stuff. So, I mean, long story short, this is just something that my boyfriend and I used to talk about all the time over the last year because um, we read so much about the project. We read all the frequently asked questions. You know, we'd seen the Zeitgeist film. And it just made a lot of sense to us, but it just wasn't so clicked in terms of, okay, well, we're going to join the movement and, you know, support this. It was just kind of like, wow, what a neat idea. And just after a while, it, it occurred to me that, okay, wait a second, this is bothering me that we're not, that we're not doing this because it's such a great idea. So if there's a, an actual reason that we're not doing this, then I want to know what it is. <laughs> because until someone tells me a really good reason, which I haven't seen so far, you know, like Peter says, there's always these arguments from economists and you know, historians and people want to argue human behavior. I have not seen any standing argument as to why we're not doing this. So I said, okay, you know, I'm just going to put up some kind of a challenge that says, hey, if you know of a reason that we're not doing this, a, a real reason, then, you know, let me know what it is. And that was how it started. And about two months later, <laughs> I ended up doing even more research for myself, and I figured out, well, the reason why no one's doing that is because there isn't a reason. There isn't a reason that we shouldn't be doing this besides you know, social and cultural lag. That's the only reason. I mean, I've even gone into in-depth discussions with people about economics and, and, you know, supply and demand and different reasons why it wouldn't work. But in every discussion, it always ends up boiling down to what they assume people will or will not do. It's never a technical reason or an economic reason as to why it wouldn't work. It's just, yeah, but people don't do that. 
people don't like to buy things like that. People don't operate that way. And it's like, well, that's not, that's not a solid argument. That's just your assumption based on the way we have behaved in the past. So again, you know, no standing argument. So basically like the, the, you know, the channel itself sort of evolved into a, okay, you know what, this is BS. I'm just going to go full on and say that I think this is awesome. I support it. Nobody's told me why I shouldn't. Like if you, you know, if you read the bio, that's pretty much what it says. I'm not an expert, but neither are you until you can explain to me in valid terms why, why we're not doing the Zenith project. And I guess that's how the whole thing started. And, you know, if you're, if you've seen any of the videos or read it, any mm-hmm. of the books, you know, uh, where it's gone from there. You know, it's, uh, I, I did watch your video and I have read some of the comments and um, today on this show, obviously we're going to, you and I are going to get a chance to kind of go to war with a couple of this one guy's videos. Um, I'll play some excerpts of those and we'll go over them in a typical V radio debunking fashion. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I see you coming from and, and having talked to you about it, it's actually very refreshing to see somebody who actually did the homework because in a lot of cases there are even people who think that they're part of the movement who haven't done as much research if you have, as you have and, and don't understand, you know, this direction as well as they think that they do. And it creates all sorts of problems. And it's like, it's, it's not be discouraging to these people. I absolutely want them to do that. Um, the issue is that they're not doing that. And, um, yeah, Brandy's internet is terrible, so I'm going to have to try to reconnect with her. But um, in the meantime, you know, the issue is that, you know, they're not doing that. And um, in many cases, what you're going to find is that these people don't really um, want to take the time. They don't want to actually evaluate what's going on. And um, it's unfortunate, but we waste an awful lot of time on that. So I have to wait until Brandy PMs me again. If this becomes an issue, I'll just call her cell phone, which the voice the quality, unfortunately, won't be as good. <sighs> anyway. So once again, everybody, thank you for tuning in to V Radio. Uh, please visit v-radio.org. Uh, the donation box for the computer is slowly coming together. Unfortunately, since it looks like I'm actually going to have to fully upgrade the thing, um, it's going to cost more than I thought it was going to, but I've been able to put up a little bit aside of, you know, some money of my own as well, but not very much. Um, and any donations to the blue chip-in widget are highly appreciated, and they will allow me to, you know, finally get my system up to what it needs to be to be able to give better video quality and uh, broadcasts and possibly even do some things better, better with radio. Um, and, uh, in addition to that, um, yeah, she hasn't come back online yet, so I'm just going to add her cell phone. Give me just a moment. But, uh, yeah, in addition to that, great, now my Skype is acting up. Oh, that's why. Okay, no problem. I can just add it here. Anyway, um, in addition to that, you know, I've already mentioned Z-Day and the uh, Zeitgeist Global Radio Station. Looks like it's going to be great. And let me see what happens when I add this cell phone number. We are now experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by.
I noticed that. I like all those people who do those technical difficulties videos always sounded like they were on Valium. Hello, Brandy. Sorry. <laughs> oh, that's uh, all right. It was worth a try. Um, anyway, go ahead and continue with um, what we were saying. I wanted to ask you, um, what have your experiences been so far? Uh, you know, I mean, other than the guy that we're going to deal with tonight, you know, what have your experiences been so far with, you know, various comments and stuff? Um, I've actually surprisingly gotten a lot more responses from supporters of Amy's closet. Awesome, obviously, but um, I guess I was, I mean, I was worried at first. Not, not really worried, but I just expected that so many people that objected to the project, specifically people who were already objecting to it, we're going to say, oh, okay, well, here's another person that we need to come come on here and argue against. But not really a lot of people have done that. Now, I don't know if that's because they assume, okay, well, I don't need to waste my time with this because I've already argued everything against the Venus Project and there's no reason to participate in this challenge, or if it's because, oh, wait a second, this requires that we actually present some, you know, references from, from the material that requires me to have to read and, and do things and think and do work, and I don't like that, so I'm not going to respond. It could be either one of those things. Um, but the fun thing is the challenge, I think a lot of people, um, specifically people who just have, you know, such a defensive attitude towards this kind of thing, they misunderstood it from the beginning because if they listen to the whole thing, I pretty much say that the challenge is to upgrade the caliber of conversations we've been having. I never said the challenge is to get on here and argue your point and prove you're right and win the debate. I never said that. said that, you know, the conversations that we were having were just, introducing so much irrelevant information that it was getting us absolutely nowhere. And like I said, specifically myself, I was frustrated because I didn't even fully support the thing yet, and I still didn't understand what was going on. It was like, why are these people talking about things that don't have anything to do with the actual Venus Project? So, um, so far, I've actually gotten some pretty good results from people who are willing to put in the time and send, a, you know, a lengthy email message to me on YouTube and talk about things. They'll even present, you know, their own YouTube video of a particular economist or something like that and say, well, what do you think about his views? Or what do you think about this person's views on human nature? You know, this is why I don't agree with the Venus Project. And that allows us to talk for a longer period of time instead of just, you know, going back and forth. And um, the good thing about that is those conversations usually end with both of us being pretty open-minded. Like even the person that isn't necessarily in support of the project will say, okay, well, I understand where you're coming from. Good luck with that. You know, I, I don't think it's going to work for this reason, but they're not, they don't have a hostile attitude towards right. why we're trying to do this. And that's really what the challenge is there for. It's sort of to, to try to bring things down a notch in terms of everyone's just hostility over the subject. It's not necessary. If, you know, if you have something you want to say, say it and we'll talk about it. But, well, you saw, for example, on the video, the comment that that person just made about anarcho-communism and whatever. It's like, okay, see, this is what the challenge is trying to get away from. If you have a valid reason why you think that's what it is, type it out, email it, put up a video, and we'll talk about it. But the whole emotional hatred of people trying to do some kind of a plan that's going to help other people makes absolutely no sense to me. It's not necessary. So right. um, some of those responses have been, you know, useful as far as that goes, and then anyone who's looked at any of the comments on the videos can see that that hasn't been the case, obviously, all the time. But, um, but you know, they haven't been up very long either, so. Right, for sure. More, more you know, and it's funny that they don't have time to study it, but they have time to spend hours and hours on the Internet trolling it. 
you know. That's so true. <laughs> That's really true. Uh, it, it's not necessary for them to actually know what they're talking about. You know, I, we're, I've already, like, I already know that's going to happen because, like, I've got the video queued up, and I listened to it before we started the show. And he was like, I don't have to spend hours on the website, you know, to know, you know, to, to, before I can comment on this. I'm like, yeah, you can comment on it now. Not that you'll have any idea what you're talking about, but sure. Exactly. Like, that's the best you can do, you know. Um, but basically, um, you know, I think that you're doing a great thing. And as I, you know, I told you earlier, I, I really hope we can convince you to get your own radio show. You're going to have to um, get a really good Internet connection, though. Otherwise, this is going to happen sure. during your show and you're going to hate it. Um, yeah. But um, one way or the other, guys, um, make sure that you check out this YouTube video. I just linked it in the chat. It's also linked in the forum that I forum post where I pushed for this show. Um, but I'm going to go ahead here and get started. I'm going to play some clips from one of the people who recently has made an attempt. And notice saying attempt. And the reason I call it an attempt is because he didn't even follow the rules of the Venus Project Challenge to you know, comment directly to Brandy. So I'll provide the links to this too in the chat room, but this is also already in the uh, forum post. So, all right. Um, while I'm doing this, obviously, as you know, I have to change my sound settings so you guys won't be able to hear me, but um, there will be a brief pause in between the video playing um, and the actual talking. Um, so that being said, um, I'm going to go ahead and start and uh, be patient, everybody. You know, but in the typical V-Radio debunking fashion, we will annihilate this one piece at a time. So here we go. <laughs> last night when I received a message. Good evening. Uh, I have to tell you, honestly, I was very distressed last night when I received a message from one of my subscribers, and I'm not going to identify the person, but if you're watching, you know who you are. So I decided that uh, going back and forth in comments and personal messages is not going to be adequate, and I decided to make a video about this. The subject of our conversation was the so-called The Venus Project. Now, you, you may want to Google it and, and look it up. I, I'm warning you right now, it's a bunch of nonsensical crap that if you are a thinking rational person, and if you know even a little bit about history, um, and if you have any idea about you know, philosophy at all, you will quickly understand and you will quickly be disappointed that you've wasted your precious time uh, looking at it. But, you know, I have, you know, that's why over my time I'm never going to get back. But I decided, since I believe this is a dangerous nonsense, I decided to um, comment on it. In short, uh, there's this guy, Jacques Fresco, I think his name is. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Now, when somebody self-describes as a social engineer, I think a huge red flag should come up right there, right there. Social engineer, so you're going to engineer society? Thanks, but no thanks. I mean, look, it, again, if you're thinking first, if you have any perspective of, uh, on history at all, if you're aware of what's going on in the world today, when somebody says that they're a social engineer, you should run for your life or call Holocaust or both. But <laughs> okay. 
Um, so that's our first pause. You still with us, Brandy? I am. Okay. Um, first off, right off the get-go, um, he starts by setting the tone, you know, with a very negative attitude. Um, as we get into the video later, he admits that he doesn't really study about it. We'll get into that when that comes up. But, mm -hmm. you know, he starts using words like dangerous uh, nonsense, as he put it. And he said that because somebody says they're a social engineer, that should throw up all these evil red flags. And if you have any sense of history or if you're a rational thinker, then you know that this is bad. Well, I do have a sense of history. Um, and I think that if he actually had done some more studying, then he would know that social engineering is already taking place. Um, it happens all the time. The difference is, is that the current social engineering is taking place in the hands of the elite. Um, this isn't even just some crazy Alex Jones conspiracy nonsense. There's a very good documentary on the BBC about this called The Century of Self. You can watch it for free on Google Video. I have links to it on vradio.org um, in the must-see TV section. Uh, social engineering took place uh, thanks to people like Edward Bernays, who was um, Freud's nephew. Um, and he talked about, basically they talked to him about how best to engineer society to make us all into good little brainwashed consumers. So social engineering is already going on. And it, it's, it's unfortunately kind of naive that he doesn't know that. Um, and he's speaking very authoritatively and he has this real confidence. And I mean, I'm going to go so far as to say arrogance about him, but, you know, it, it's obvious that from the get-go, he's already trying to get an emotional rise out of the viewer. So what, do you, what comments do you have, Brandy? Um, I actually think you hit, you hit on a lot of the good points regarding his view on the, basically the term of social engineering. But another thing that I thought was pretty funny was I, you know, I looked it up myself just to see, you know, is there any kind of negative connotation associated with that exact term? Um, but there are different ways to define it. I mean, there's... I mean, the first definition is basically talking about, you know, the political science of influencing people. Um, but apparently you can use it to describe psychological manipulation, which is probably why people get scared. But that's more in terms of trying to – it's used to get information, confidential information out of somebody. Um, like you would, you know, lie to them or manipulate them somehow to get them to reveal information. And then the third definition is applied sociology, which um, describes using social knowledge in an applied setting to help people solve problems. So, it's, you know, I, I see no reason to really be afraid of what Jacques Fresco is doing if you're looking at it in terms of applied sociology and not just immediately pegging it with all of those negative definitions the way he's doing. So, like you said, not only is that already taking place, not necessarily in a way that's in our best interest, but for Jacques Fresco to be a social engineer, I mean, that's just, you know, relating back to the things that he did when he was um, – becoming a member of uh, those social groups like KKK or um, I think he, you know, he did that with like delinquent teenagers and stuff like that to try to get them to reform their behavior. And that's how I look at that, you know, description of social engineering and what, and what Fresco does. Well, yeah. And when you think about the differences in the, the social engineering, okay, engineering, just like anything else, can be good or bad. Because like, for example, we got Douglas Mallet, uh, who I had on my show yesterday. He's in the uh, chat room right now listening to the show. You know, you can engineer a bomb, or you can engineer a hydroponic farm. The, the, act of, the, the study of engineering itself is not something that should make you run away or call the cops, as he put it. Okay? Um, okay. The social engineering that we're talking about is actually to get rid of the ability of people to do things like um, the social engineering we've had in the past. 
they studied, you know, like I said, the documentary lays it out in, in really good detail with all very well accepted, known, you know, it's not spooky music. It's not, you know, we're not talking about end game here. We're talking about a legitimate BBC documentary that talks about it, um, about how psychology was used to engineer it, you know, basically from the perspective of the elite for the perspective of the elite. Okay. So that's basically the thing that um, I don't, you know, I, this guy is obviously ignorant of. I don't know that even if we showed it to him though, that we, he would even listen. I mean, we can try, but I get a lot of that is that they're very quick to try to discredit everything on the, you know, like any sources you may have, they're all going to be left leaning, you know, there's going to be something wrong with them, but you know, it, it can't just possibly be that they're good sources, but if they're, but if they're right leaning sources, then any propaganda that they may be spreading is, is always squeaky clean. But exactly. to, the, to the viewer or to the listener in this case, um, uh, basically, you, you study the century of self, then it really lays out for you that every aspect of our society was engineered. Um, and therefore, that actually, at first, it creeped me out, but it also gives me hope, because I know that if it was that easy for a small group of people to engineer society to make us all into you know, slaves and consumer machines, then it will be that easy to fix this. Um, and we are going to include in the equivalent of whatever our quote-unquote indoctrination is absolute um, critical thinking and analytical thinking so that there is never going to be a time again when people will be able to be you know, molded that way because we'll be looking for it. I already look for it. I look for aspects of social engineering everywhere I go. You know, the Coke can, why is it designed the way it is? You know, you, you get to talk to advertisers. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of psychology involved in in um in advertising. Advertising is in its own way social engineering, but it's to, it's to do so for profit. Exactly. So, you know, if if it was just advertising your product, then you wouldn't see that they you you know they know what colors to use. They wouldn't be marketing to children in certain ways that they do. Um, social engineering. Uh, one of the most dastardly things that Edward Bernays did was when he socially engineered for the cigarette companies to get women to smoke. Yes. You know, um, that's an example of social engineering. It's being practiced by capitalists all the time. And when the interest of profit is the reason that this engineering is being done, that's when you should run away screaming or maybe even call right. the cops. <laughs> yeah, I remember reading about that before that BBC documentary, even before I even saw that. But, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yep. So, anyway, did you have anything further, or should we play some more? Um, I think that's about it on the social engineering thing. Okay. So we'll get we'll go back to the video. Anyway, moving on. So this guy has some kind of idea to build an ideal society, ideal society based on cybernetics and 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 science, and he has this idea of a resource-based economy. I have, I tried reading on it. You know, I I I read through the frequent asked questions. I read the page on the freaking website on the resource-based economy, I do not understand. I mean, I, I understand everywhere they're saying, I just don't understand how they believe that's even worthy of consideration, even you know, remotely approaches being a viable idea. Um, one of the central pillars of that is taking out money. Money is the root of all evil, you see. Money, money is bad. So it's not about money, it's about resources. Duh. It's not about money, it's about resources, so if we can build a resource-based economy, oh, there's enough stuff in the world, therefore everybody should be fed and clothed and, and sheltered and 
we should have schools and universities for free for everyone in healthcare and blah, 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 because there's enough resources on earth to do all that. But no, it's, uh, you know, because very few people relatively control the money. If we take the money out, we, we, to end, we destroy government and destroy politics, and we, get this, we make decisions about what to do with resources and how to build our lives scientifically and democratically. I guess scientifically, I'm not sure that they want democracy, but they want to make scientific decisions about how to allocate resources and what to build, what not to build, what to produce, what, what not to produce. Well, first of all, let's address the money thing. Now, money is a medium of exchange, all right? Exchange being the operative word. Exchange. Why do we have exchange? We have exchange because we have division of labor. The world without money would be either the world without division of labor, and that means everybody produces everything they need or want to consume for themselves directly, um, and or a world of barter. Well, I'm not being very accurate here, but you're getting you're getting my meaning, I'm sure. So it's a world of a world of barter where we just trade directly. If you want a horse, uh, I mean, if you want some eggs and you have some grain, you have to find somebody who has what you want and 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 wants what you have to trade directly. We're long past that, but that's what you would have if you take out money. Or you have a world with no exchange. Everybody produces everything for themselves, right? Uh, or, and that's what they really want, you have a steadily planned and administered economy. It's not a world without money that they want per se. They want a world without private property where you don't have the freedom to dispose of your property the way you see fit. No, 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 no. Some other people, I guess, people, because I think under that society the world will still be populated by people, some people are going to be scientifically making decisions about resources without asking you for your benefit. Huh, I'm certain I've heard that somewhere once. What was that? Oh, but no, they will tell you that, no, 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 the Venus Project is not communist. You see, not communist. And this guy, look, this person who, my subscriber who alerted me to this, he was... Okay, um, so unfortunately, and I'm going to apologize to my listeners, he rambles a bit during some of that. So, um, but... The points that he's getting at, first of all, once again, people recognize the recognize the social engineering. He's trying to social engineer in this instance by speaking in a lot of aggressive, make fun of kind of mocking voices to try to get the listener to once again get on his side. He doesn't really provide any data. We're going to get into that as the video plays on. But um, and then of course he has to make some you know generalist make fun of statement, basically you know taunting statement to try to link it to communism. Um, and then he says, it's not that they don't want a society without money per se. No, that is what we want. <laughs> you know, it, I, I don't see what he got out of that. You know, mind you, he also kept saying things like, well, I think this and I think they mean that. But he is, you know, he, he basically admits over and over he doesn't actually know. But he, he's, he speaks so definitively and so confidently Then you better listen to him. Where have I heard that before? Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like you said about his negative attitude. He uses the words, oh, well, they want to destroy government. They want to destroy politics. It's like, okay, no, well, we want to set up a system where those things aren't necessary. We don't want to destroy them. We don't want to go plant a bomb. 
in the governmental building and just destroy it so we can, you know, move on without it. That's not how this works. Right. And that's, you know, in basically, he basically talks about, you know, essentially planned and, you know, these people are going to make these decisions. They're going to take your freedom away. Remember, one of the other things that you're going to learn when you, when you watch Century of Self is that the whole concept of property equaling freedom is, was also engineered. It was socially engineered to make you think that products that you have to buy from somebody else is your freedom. And to be exactly. scared of anybody who wants to take that away from you. Okay? So, yeah, we want to get rid of private property. That is true. But we want to replace it with large quantities of public property. Okay? This is not like some monarch or king telling you that they're going to take your stuff. This is society as a whole willfully coming together and deciding what we're going to design for everyone with the intention of trying to take care of everyone. Okay? You know, maybe he has freedom over the products that he buys because he has purchasing power. But where is all the freedom for people who happen to live in areas that they don't have the money to move out of, where there are not enough resources. Because that's really what this is all about. And the more you study about how these things come together, another good documentary series, Guns, Germs, and Steel, talks about the fact that these societies developed based on the available resources that were given to them you know, and, at the time. And that's why on this planet there are still societies that have not developed past hunter-gatherers. They're very rare, but they exist because of the, of the, uh, the circumstances in which those people evolved. But apparently, now that many of those people are starving, well, because of the capitalist system, I guess they don't deserve to be taken care of. They don't deserve any freedom. Freedom. Because remember, freedom and purchasing power are the same thing. You know, those people don't deserve it. And, and, if, they, and if they worked a little harder, then suddenly they deserve freedom too. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't, I don't agree with that. In many cases, it's not even, you know, I don't want lazy people to get everything. That's not the point. It's that in many cases, the world, the system is designed in such a way that not everybody could ever actually succeed or it wouldn't function. If there were no blue collar, you couldn't have white collar. You know, and I don't feel that any system that is content to, you know, basically artificially execute people on the other side who just happen to be, you know, outside of the usefulness for the elite is a functioning system. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Brandy. What's that? Oh, did, it, your turn. Comment. No, I was just agreeing <laughs> with you. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit more here. Um, you know, the people in the chat are all, like, going wild about this dude. So um, <laughs> play some more. You know, and by the way, the name of the video, as great as it is, Poisonous Neo-Marxist Drivel. That's what he called it. Oh, and he said, run from your life from any man who says money is evil. Wait a minute. Who said that? Oh, wait, didn't Jesus say that? <laughs> I'm not religious, but, you know, that, that's kind of funny, don't you think? I, mean, I wonder how many Christians have really thought about that, you know? But anyway. Just, just to make that clear, he had that little comment in his, um, his YouTube thing. I'm going to go ahead and play some more. I was really excited about looking to the Phoenix Project. I looked at, I spent 30 seconds on the webpage reading about the resource-based economy. I was nauseated. I had to close the webpage. I, I went back to my, you know, messages section on my YouTube profile and messaged him saying, "No, 
no, no, no. Stay away from this crap. This is, da- this is, this is dangerous, nonsensical crap. Um, he accused me of being emotional because I responded too fast. No, no, no. I responded too fast because I, I, I have actually a quick mind and I can read real fast. That's why I responded so fast. Because I could see what I was reading. I don't have to spend a whole damn day on the website to know that I'm reading drivel. It is drivel and a dangerous variety at that. Yeah, I didn't even have to. <laughs> I just spent 30 seconds listening wow. to that guy dribble, and I felt the need to quickly respond because I have a quick mind. <laughs> My quick mind tells me that he just said that he, you know, he's a quick reader, and that's why he knows everything about it now because he spent 30 seconds on the website. You know, yeah. and he had to tell them, no, no, stay away. That's dangerous. I mean, I know everything about it. I, I spent a whole 30 seconds on it, and I was nauseated. He was nauseated. Are you serious? Nauseated? Those kinds of objections annoy me. They really do when people when people actually attack it from the from the direction that it's dangerous and it's scary and it's all these things. Because sometimes I just wish that people would look at this project from a third a completely different you know, a third party perspective like you can live on this planet. And just pretend that we didn't have a system you know, or, or maybe say we already lived in a resource-based economy and someone was proposing a monetary system. They would be coming out of the woodwork with the exact same objections. That sounds really dangerous. That sounds like there could be scarcity and we could have war and people could commit crimes and rob people or kill people. That just sounds like a really bad idea. We should probably just stick with a resource-based economy. But it's because it's the other way around, they immediately want to peg it with all these negative labels like, oh, it's communism and it sounds this way and it's dangerous and it's brainwashing. And it's just, it's again, back to the challenge. It's amazing to me how many people don't apply those same challenges to exactly what we're living in already. How is this not dangerous? How is us going to war constantly not dangerous? How is people starving to death every day not dangerous? You know, somebody in the chat room just said, is it just me or does this seem like Glenn Beck tactics? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's definitely. Uh, there's a lot of mainstream media Fox News stuff going on in there, too. Um, it got, it's got some O'Reilly factor, maybe some Hannity going on in there. Um, and so basically, you know, uh, my friend Douglas actually, who is an engineer, is like, oh, God, who is this guy? Who is this guy? I want his YouTube handle. <laughs> I'll, I'll just stick Douglas on him. Go get him, Douglas. Um, because especially after the second video where he just goes on to talk about how, you know, none of this is doable and, you know, it's all, you know, irrational silliness. We'll we'll get to that, but um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to go ahead and um, play this more of this video and we'll go from there. So they want scientifically made decisions about resources because there's, uh, in their understanding, Profits, um, profits drive scarcity, huh? Profits are only possible in the world of scarcity. Wait, wait, wait a second. I mean, do, don't you have any sort of respect for empirical evidence around you at all, Mr. Subscriber? I mean, come on. If, if, I assume that you're a guy. Uh, look, this person, you know, according to his profile, he's 25 years old, or her. She is, I don't know, let's, let's say it's a hippie. Uh, and he's a PhD. Jesus, freaking Christ. PhD. He has assured me that he's fully capable of critical thinking, but he is enamored 
completely in love with the idea of the Venus Project, and he's actually said to me that communism, in theory, is a great... Well, trying to explain this, the Venus Project is not actually communism, but communism, nonetheless, is in theory a great social concept. It only fails because, get this, it is controlled by people in the system of social stratification and monetary systems. The Venus Project proposes taking out money, hence the incentive for people to corrupt. <laughs> it's the existence of money that corrupts people. Ah, existence of money corrupts. It takes away the decision-making power from stupid politicians. I wonder who it gives the decision-making power to. So it's going to be smart politicians or some pure-hearted scientists, angels, and proposals. Okay, um, still laying on the ad hominem pretty thick here. Uh, he, once again, it's pretty obvious that he's not um, getting to get to um, getting it together. But um, oh, I've got to add Brandy back. Hold on a second. Or well, it said that it was still going to end that, and I'll start it up again. Sorry about that, folks. But anyway, um, this is the problems that uh, with technology in our society. <laughs> Um, let me go ahead and try to add her Skype again and see if that works. But um, basically, you know, he's he's now making fun of this guy who is a PhD and says, "I assure you that I'm capable of critical thinking." He does, and then he goes on to say, you know, well, how can you be going on to thinking about critical thinking and you know and all that other jazz? You know, if you're a PhD, he's like, Jesus Christ, how you know how dare you have these thoughts? I mean, what's the matter with you? You know, you can't be a PhD and actually think like this. You know was his attitude about it. it was just very crass. And once again, now he's just making fun of the guy. Um, and so far, I haven't really seen a whole lot of anything in this video, this particular video, other than making fun of people who agree with the Venus Project. Welcome back, Brandy. No problem. Um, go ahead and uh, you know comment on, um, I know you probably didn't hear all of it, but you can comment on what it is you've heard me say so far, I suppose. Um, I don't know if you touched on the fact that he, I think he got it backwards though because he's saying that we're arguing that profit drives scarcity or causes scarcity which is really more the other way around we're saying that scarcity drives profit and so abundance and efficiency are the enemies of profit and that's a problem so i mean obviously if he doesn't even understand the concepts that we're trying to explain in the first place then how is he supposed to he can't really make a valid argument against what we're doing if he doesn't even understand in the first place what we're saying about profit and scarcity. Right. You know, actually, you know, it's good that you pointed out that I had forgotten about that. What he doesn't understand is like, he was acting like it was this crazy notion that scarcity comes from profit. And it's funny because, you know, a lot of free market capitalists try to just say, oh, yeah, that's not true. And I'm like, okay, so explain to me how it isn't true. Well, uh, you know, it, it's funny because they later explain the laws of supply and demand, and they talk about how prices go up and down and all that. But apparently they don't understand how scarcity equals profit. Because, exactly. it, which doesn't make any sense, how you can think one and not the other, okay? Uh, but basically, the, the issue here is that the reason scarcity equals profit, that apparently, you know, a PhD isn't good enough for this guy, but I'm going to do my best. You know, maybe if I was as good at being, you know, a brainwashed capitalist as him, I'd be able to get it. Oh, wait, I used to be a brainwashed capitalist. I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> anyway. The reason scarcity equals profit is that when something is more scarce, its overall value goes up. The, the laws of supply and demand talk about that. The problem is, is that within the monetary system and the profit-motivated monetary system, we do things to encourage scarcity and therefore encouraging profit. Okay? 
The reason that they're not interested in things like Tesla's device that, you know, might have been able to give out energy, you know, much more easily is because you can't, you know, it would give anything that's so common becomes less valuable and therefore less scarce, therefore less profitable. See how that works? Oil prices go up. Why did oil prices go up? Oil prices went up because allegedly there was less oil. Okay. Gas prices therefore go up. And while they're telling us, oh, man, we're hurting so bad because of all this rare oil, then for some reason uh, they're reporting record profits. <gasps> oh, my God, wait. You know, that, that's not fiction, by the way, folks. Gas prices went up, record profits from the oil companies. I suppose that's not linked. Is that just a coincidence? This is where you come to common sense, okay? This is not rocket science. You know, I mean, it's okay. I mean, if it, if it was rocket science, I can call Douglas on the show, and he can help us with that. But, but it's not rocket science. <laughs> okay? Now, it, it's, it's funny how they just try to escape that notion, but he doesn't actually have a rational basis for any of it. So far, all he has actually spouted throughout this video has been drivel. Any further comment before I play more? That's it on that subject. Okay. is a completely different cybernetic society that makes decisions based on the availability of resources. Well, guess what? The market makes decisions based on the availability of resources. I mean, look, there's so much wrong, terribly, horribly wrong with that freaking deal, the Venus Project, that I, I can hardly bring myself to talk about it. Look at That didn't take long. Okay. No. Um, <laughs> The market does make decisions about resources. The decisions that it makes are you do whatever you can to be as useful to the people on top as possible or you don't get any resources. Pretty much. And if for some reason they can't make money on utilizing you, you don't get any resources. That's what technological unemployment is all about. That's what efficiency experts are all about, those guys that they send to businesses to fire as many people as possible. Yeah, okay. But that's perfectly fine. Apparently, that's good for the economy when you talk to these people. I don't, I don't understand that at all. He's like, there's so much wrong with that statement, I'm not even comfortable talking about it. Translated, you don't got any facts, but you don't like that your religion, that is the free market religion, is being challenged. So therefore, you're just going to lash out, do a little bit of fanatical, you know, slamming around and not offer any data. I was hoping I'd have some data debate with. So far, all I've been able to do is basically spend my time talking about how this guy is just using all those social engineering tricks that amounts to, like we said earlier, aggressive conversation. When you're looking at his, his, his the, the look on his face, it's even worse, okay? Because he's got this look, like he's looking at you like, you're stupid if you think this way. You know, that intimidating way of, I'm just going to make you agree with me, as if not, you don't want me to dislike you, so therefore I'm going to just kind of push on you until you go that way. You notice that this guy's left eyebrow is huge? And that's not relevant. I just, sorry, I couldn't help myself. I got him paused here, and he's got this weird look on his face, so I noticed. Anyway, so did you, go ahead, Brandy. Um, I don't remember if we'd already commented on how he said that the existence of money is the problem. Or oh, yeah. He, he, he did, said he that did, we he were saying. He has talked about it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, because it's definitely not that simple. 
I mean, nobody nobody ever said that the just you know the physical existence of money itself on the earth is the problem. It's it's the whole system and the fact that our entire system is based on a differential advantage over somebody else, another person or another nation that's causing the corruption. And I just I think he's definitely ignoring that you know, that point. Just to make it sound like we're ignorant. We don't understand how anything works. Right. And we're ignorant because he said so. And because he said it loud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because he smirked at us on the YouTube. You know, that's why. But nothing else, just that. Okay? All right. Maybe if I, you know, so never mind. I'm not, I'm not even going to go down that road. Okay. Here we go. We'll play some more video. Out for yourselves if you want to. I, I, I'm warning you, if you're a thinking person, you're going to be disgusted. But... Anyway, how can you be, how can you call yourself a thinking person and believe that it's the existence of money that corrupts you? And by the way, that same worldview, and as this person was trying to explain to me, uh, submit, posits that there is no such thing as human nature. It's the circumstances that corrupt people. See, when there's scarcity and people are poor, they will act. Uh, amorally, immorally, they will fight for resources and you know slit each other's throats and whatnot. If only we had abundance, then everybody would be nice, because there is no such thing as as human nature. There's only human behavior that is solely a function of circumstances of externalities. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Right. Well. If you are so logical, Mr. Describe, then by that by that logic, the the health, the wealthiest people will be the most moral people because they have the most abundance, since their behavior is fun, uh, a function of only their circumstances. They would never commit any atrocities or crimes. Uh-oh. Still there? Yay. Okay, maybe not.
There we go. I'm sorry about that, folks. Fixed it. Oh. Was that you? Was that you? or? Yeah, that was on my end. Um, the call had okay. dropped, though, and we're back now. I apologize for that, guys. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> you should be able to hear me now. Uh, sorry about that. Anyway, um, so as we were saying, we were dealing with this guy. Uh, he basically, uh, first of all, I, I don't, he must be from Canada or something. I don't, I've never heard the word scarcity pronounced scarcity before. Um, but I'm not making fun of him. I'm, I'm just curious about that point. It's sticking in my head. Like, where did he get the idea of scarcity? But um, I'm trying to think about, like, some of the things that he summed up in the last part of the video. Did you have any comments on it while I do that? Um, no, not right then. Okay. Well, basically what I got out of it was that, um, you know, once again, he comes into this, you know, he this says this evil communist drivel thing at the end, and he... He doesn't, you know, and then he also, that was the other thing. He qualified as, you, you know, you can't be, um, you know, you can't be a free-thinking, independent-thinking, critical-analytical-thinking person and agree with any of this. He doesn't give any reasons why you shouldn't agree with this. He just basically tells you that you're not allowed to agree with this and also be a smart person. So... Did, did you did you follow that? How he just kind of looks at you and mocks the screen? Yeah. Well, actually, that does remind me. I did have one thing, one comment I wanted to make. Um, he does this throughout the video, though. Is he makes he basically states our points incorrectly, and then argues against them. If that makes right. any sense. He, will, he basically completely misconstrues what we're saying in the first place and then makes an argument against it. Well, what were you going to say? Right. And well, and well, of course, that's, that's all he can do. He didn't study it. And that's true. <laughs> it. You know, he, he is willfully ignorant, you know, just like, uh, you know, George Carlin said, you know, in that clip I played, the majority of Americans will remain willfully ignorant. You know, that's, and he basically, he doesn't want to know. You know, and, and when we get into the second video, he does an awful lot of appeal to emotion. He basically, you know, just says, oh, well, you know, they want this thing so bad, and that's why they, you know, they, they think that way and all this other crap, you know. But you know, we'll get into that. And uh, this has been a great hour other than the um, technical difficulties. I hope you've mm -hmm. enjoyed the show so far. And um, the reason why we're doing this, guys, is that this is basically what the, the Venus Project Challenge is about. And I like to do these debunking shows especially because I'm trying to give you those anti-social engineering skills. That's what this is actually about. The Venus Project is largely about this. We talk about this all the time, the various ways to identify that somebody's trying to manipulate you. Okay? We want to engineer a system where people cannot be easily you know, manipulated. Uh, my children already are being raised with such a fashion, in such a fashion that they're, you know, they're going to be able to analyze this stuff and see it for what it is. My mom was the same way. You know, um, and like somebody in the chat room asked, I want to know what his incentive for doing it is. Well, his incentive for doing it, I mean, when you see the way he, he reacts, because, like, he's at the end, he's like, I've had enough of this subject. I'm really upset and angry, and I was nauseated and all that other crap, is because something that shakes up his house of cards, okay? Yeah, it, it is, and once again, reply to chat, emotional investment in established system. This is what Jacques refers to when he talks about Self-appointed guardians of the status quo, okay? That's what you're looking at. That's all the motive you need. So 
Do you have any closing statements on this first video before we go on, Brandy? Um, he did say, I don't know if you uh, touched on this already, but he did say, according to that subscriber's logic, that the wealthiest people would be the most moral because they have the most abundance. I've actually heard this argument multiple times, which makes, which makes absolutely no sense. I, I don't follow that logic either. They're basically Continue. saying that, you know, rich people would be the most moral because our argument is that abundance, you know, would cause or at least decrease aberrant behavior. But they don't understand that having your own wealth in an environment or in an economy where others do not have that wealth is not considered abundance. Right. Um, so I'm their argument that, that yeah, their argument that rich people are still sometimes greedy or immoral that's due to the fact that there are other coexisting coexisting conditions of scarcity. So in the, in most cases they still have to protect, they have to protect that wealth. And um, the only reason why they um why they're acting like that is because there is a scarcity and they want to be sure that they don't they're not victims of it. Correct. And I mean basically what they don't understand is that in order for us to have the universal morality that we're, you know, striving for is we have to have a universal abundance. You can't just say, well, some people have abundance in their home or in their career, so that means they should be the most moral people because it's like, no, they were raised in an environment of scarcity and competition, so that's going to affect their behavior as well, regardless of how much money they have. Right. You know, and that's um, – it, it's funny is that the, the stuff that we're saying about scarcity creating aberrant behavior is not something that's not obvious, Okay. I've lived in cities where there's a lot of scarcity, where the economy is terrible. Come to think of it, oh, imagine what happens. Higher crime rates. Is that an accident? Is that another one of those coincidences? You know, come on now. It's kind of common knowledge. The more poor you are, the less access to food you have. Translates more crime. Duh. You know, okay, so... You know, it's like the, the Merler Fowl study that was quoted in the Zeitgeist Orientation pro, you know, presentation. As uh, unemployment goes up, I think it was like 2%, 1%. I don't know the stats in my head, but huge percentages in violent crimes go up as, approach, as, as basically approach, appropriate to that increase in unemployment. Mm -hmm. The statistics are there. You know, and the more you, I mean, how many rich neighborhoods do you know are full of violent crime? There aren't any. Because the people there are less stressed. They're in better situations. They're usually educated better. They have better health care. They're healthier. They're eating better. All these things contribute. Why do those people still turn greedy? Well, they still turn greedy because they want to stay that way. You know, and they know that they can only do that if they're stepping on everybody underneath them. So, anything further? Nope, I think that about covers that point. Okay. We're going to get into the second video, and in this one he, uh, he didn't disable comments. Um, Not yet, anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I actually did, that, that reminds me that there's go ahead, go ahead. one other thing I want to say about the last video, because he did disable the ratings and the comments. And... The funny thing about it is I think the best way to summarize that whole video is I saw a comment from a user that sort of tried to take 
you know, uh, hey, you know, I'm on your side, or no, no reason to get hostile, like, let's talk about this kind of Venus Project challenge approach, <laughs> and basically just said, hey, well, you know, what do you suggest? The world's going to crap, like, you know, the Venus Project is trying to come up with a solution. What do you think we should do, or something along those lines? And the guy basically just posted, you know, within a 500-character limit, learn to love liberty, learn to love yourself, educate others. Just It was basically this paragraph that had absolutely no solution. It was just a really cute way of saying, actually, I don't have an answer to that question, but it's much more fun to bash the Venus Project. That was pretty <laughs> much what the answer said. And, and that's why I find it surprising that he, you know, disabled, or I should say not surprising, that he disabled the ratings and deleted all the comments because it's like, I do understand that you're going to get bombarded with a bunch of Venus Project supporters that are like, hey, you're mean, you're a troll, you're this, you're that. But if you really had any ground to stand on in the video that you made, you would have left the comments up there. You know, because I get trolled in my videos, that doesn't mean I'm going to disable ratings and delete all the comments because I know I have something to stand on. So I'm going to stand there and I'm going to reply to the comments and I'm going to make another video. I'm going to do what I have to do to stand about it I believe in. But obviously he has no ground in the first place, which is why he doesn't want to go any further than the video that he made. He wants to say what he has to say, and then as soon as you say, hmm, can you please elaborate on that? What do you mean? What do you suggest as an alternative? Then it's like, okay, wait, crap. I can't handle that. I'm just going to disable ratings and remove all the comments. So unfortunately, nobody else really got a chance to see that comment, but I did, and I was like, okay, that's not a solution. You're basically just saying, eh, you know, what can you do? Learn to love liberty, educate others, you know, just, I don't, I don't, even, I don't even know what he was talking about, but it was not any kind of economic solution nothing so i just wanted to point that out before we moved on to the next video <laughs> sure sure no and it's so far he really hasn't um he hasn't done anything but poke fun um this is the what i call the pen and teller method of ad, ad hominem debate i know that there are a lot of fans of pen and teller out there but if you watch the pen and teller episode about 9-11 i have friends who are not 9-11 truthers who still thought that episode was terrible and the reason why is because all Penn and, Penn and Teller really did was, you know, spend the whole time dropping the F-bombs, using aggressive language, attacking, attacking, attacking. You know, um, the Penn and Teller method is the more brutal, lowbrow way of going about it. The popular science method would be more like, you know, what, what you're going to see in this next video, which is like to speak about the psychology of the conspiracy theorist, you know, rather than arguing with the two kids, the college kids that are poning them right there on Democracy Now!, so, anyway, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the second video. Sorry again, folks, for the previous technical problems. Here we go. Open-mindedness, rationality, irrationality, emotionalism. I've been thinking a lot about these things lately. Um, I'm actually quite happy that I've, I've put up this video on uh, the Venus Project. That all sorts of Looney Tunes have started coming out of the woodwork and commenting and bashing me for being close-minded and for, you know, uh, not having an, an, an evolved consciousness, unlike them, I assume. Um, but let me deal with that. Here's here's how I see it. You have a person who's presented with a, a some kind of end state, a picture of the future, utopian future, that appeals to him or her. 
let's say it's a he, appeals to him. He likes that empty. He likes that non-existent society, be it the society described in the communist writings or the Venus Project or whatever. And he sees that picture and he says, I, damn, I want to live there. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice is the core theme. God damn, wouldn't it be nice? And they like that picture and they spend time looking at it and they like it more and more. And once they like it, they attach some moral significance to it. They believe that it would be right to have that and stay. And therefore, it is wrong not to have it. What they don't do is they don't analyze what does what is this end state, what is this utopian state predicated upon? Obviously, he hasn't really been doing any studying on what it is that we do and do not analyze. But then again, I mean, how would he know? 30 seconds on a website is not really going to get it. Um, I mean, I've spent more time analyzing this guy's video than he did on the Venus Project already. Exactly. You know, I gave him way more time than he gave us. But, you know, I want to – this is the thing that I wanted to turn around, okay? Everything that he just said applies to most of the free market capitalists that I've talked to, okay? Everything that he just said, the whole thing about, well, they want to believe it. So, therefore, anything that they don't – you know, that's against that, they don't like that. See, this is an example of the psychological phenomenon known as projection, okay? He is the guy – who really wants to believe that this free market nonsense will work, okay? So therefore, he needs to paint that on us, okay? Because he either, he either internally dislikes it in himself or he's trying to distract that away from us, okay? But let me tell you, he wants to, okay, I, you know, there are a lot of people I know, and these are the ones who scare me the most because I used to be one of them. Free market capitalists who are living in total poverty, who there is nothing they can do to make their situation any better because the system is not designed in such a way to do it. And that's where I'm at. I don't have the money to move. I don't have the money to get an education. I don't have the money to do any of the things that they suggest. I can't start my own business or any of the other garbage that they say is supposedly the, you know, the, the, the silver bullet to poverty. That's one of the reasons why I got out of that was because I, I saw here in Michigan technological unemployment happening around me everywhere. But back then I wanted to believe it. I really wanted to. So I was allowing myself to, you know, to overlook these fallacies, you know, um, like the notion that, um, you know, the notion that wages increase with productivity. Okay, that's what they've always said. You know, that supposedly there's this law of physics that wages yeah, exactly <laughs> because of productivity, right? You know, your boss is going to pay you more just because you were more productive. If that were the case, they would have never outsourced. Um, because we've proven that, you know, a lot of the unions proved that they were, in fact, more productive than many of the places that were outsourced to. They did this as an effort to try to convince, you know, companies that it was still worth it. Bottom line, the dollar forty-three an hour. Okay, you can watch a brief little documentary called Outsourcing Greenville. Okay, it's about this very subject. Here in Michigan, they closed down a refrigerator plant, and to prove that they could be more productive, the union put out record refrigerators towards the very end and nothing they did that he made concessions nothing they did would convince these people and the reason this is relevant to what he's talking about is that he's the one here who's clinging to these ideas that they're so outlandish 
you know what, I, I would turn that around and say that to him. Are you really crazy enough to think that we can continue to um, maintain a linear consumption and production cycle on a planet with finite resources? That sounds pretty damn utopian to me. Are you, are you really naive enough, crazy enough, because these are the words you're using on us, to think that we can continue this trend and that this trend is the best thing for the planet? Okay? Even the socialists have got it better than you because they point out that um, – I tend to think that a system that leaves, you know, well, the majority of the planet out to dry is not working. That sounds pretty utopian, but they always tell you, see, that's the dream. You really want to believe in the American dream. You really want to believe you could go start your own company and you could be a Fortune exactly. 500 guy and you're living on lifestyles of the rich and famous. You want to believe it. You want to believe it so bad. Why do you think you know, shows like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous were as successful as they were? Because you emulate these people. You know, there's that is a lot hilarious. Of, yeah. That's just, I mean, because we were just talking about, the other, about that the other day, how, you know, trying to introduce practical designs. I think sometimes people just take the whole thing in one big chunk, and to them that's just, it's utopian, because I see all these pictures of futuristic pictures, and it's utopian. And it's like, okay, but we're implementing practical designs for our social system and, you know, as far as technology and production and all that stuff goes, you know, transportation, everything, it's all practical, but because they take everything at the same time, they don't see a transition, they don't study it, it's utopian. And if you take a step back and look at what you were just talking about, I'm sorry, but with you supposed to, you know, the, the notion that you can actually achieve your goals and everybody's equal and they all have equal opportunities, that's utopian. Because it's like that's, that's expecting some kind of a, I guess you could call it perfection if you expect everything to work the way that they say it's supposed to, and that's not actually what happens. You know, and that's, so. that's an interesting point, and that brings up another point that came up earlier in the video that I had, in the, in the first video that I had forgotten to comment on, and that was the fact that he said, you know, he, he was making fun of the idea. So apparently we think that there's infinite resources. I'm like, well, we don't think that. But if you've just acknowledged that there isn't infinite resources, then how the hell do you think your system is going to continue to function? Because your function oh. depends on it. Our, our system actually advocates finding solutions so that you don't need infinite resources. Okay? And so in any case, you know, when you move on to that, you know, it's like I remember because, okay, so if there isn't infinite resources, then, then what's your solution? Because you apparently don't have one. Well, they, most of these people don't. The average free market capitalist just doesn't care about the rest of the world. That's true. Okay. And, you know, we had a guy in the Zeitgeist movement who was like that for a while. You know, it, it was, I, I did a whole show about that. I'm not going to bring it up again. But the point is, is that there are people that are like that. I don't care about egalitarian values. I don't care about what's going on in Africa. I care about my honey-baked ham and my Humvee and my 2.5 ham. my white picket ham. Bed. Okay. Yeah, that's what he said, too. Oh, that's those right. are just fine. I'm going to go buy myself a honey-baked ham. I'm not I remember there. that. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, dude, where, what the hell? Where, how did you get into the zeitgeist movement? You got a honey-baked ham, and that's why the world is fine? No, the world would be fine if everybody had a honey-baked ham, pal, you know? But they don't care. It's a sociopathic attitude. You want to talk about scary? You want to talk about runaway screaming or call the cops? Let me tell you a mentality that's scary, okay? The mentality that's scary is the one that makes you think that it's fully acceptable for you to go buy your honey-baked ham, have your Humvee, your white picket fence, your 2.5 kids without even addressing or even caring 
that there are people out there that are starving to death who don't need to be. Exactly. And so, that's the thing is that's the whole reason for that fourth rule is because I'm even if they, you know, do the challenge and do rules one through three and we end up having this in-depth discussion about everything, they can always just kind of pull out and be like, well, you know, everything's okay because it's this way. And it's like, okay, yeah, but how is that? You're not explaining how your current system is better than what we're proposing. It doesn't exactly. doesn't solve the problems at hand. So you can't just say, oh, yeah, but, you know, the idea of sharing. I mean, right now we have individuality. That's better. It's like, okay, but it's not better because people are starving. So can you please explain how we can accomplish, you know, that yeah, without, even, without individuality? <laughs> well, wait, you know, the thing is, is that even the Venus Project wants us to have individuality. Jacques puts that in the book several times. But exactly. individuality is not achievable. Okay, there are a lot of things I'd like to add to my individuality. You know, I'd like to be living in Ireland right now. Can't afford it. Mm -hmm. you know, that'd be great. My, me as an individual, I would like that. But there's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford it in this lifetime. Okay? Um, unless I win the lottery. Okay? So there are people, you know, there are a lot of things I would like. I, I would like to have my own space shuttle as an individual. Is that <laughs> achievable? Talk to Douglas. Right. We'll, we'll talk about that, Douglas. Unfortunately, he had to leave. But um, in any case, though, it doesn't make you, it doesn't empower you as an individual. It makes you think so. That's, once again, I, I can't emphasize enough, guys. It's four hours long. Watch it in one-hour segments. Go watch The Century of Self. You will just sit there with your mouth open going, my God, I never realized just how engineered society really is. And it's, just, and it's not engineered for everybody, folks. It's engineered for as few people as possible. And even worse, to make you think that it is right and proper, just as Patty Shannon pointed out, in uh, capitalism and other kid stuff, that it should be that way, that there should be a few people that are richer than everybody else. So, um, and so that would basically it on that. Did you have any further comment before I play more? Uh, no, I think that's it for that part. Okay. Here we go. And are those things viable? Are they real? Are they true? For example, wouldn't it be nice to have a society where there's no scarcity, where it's total abundance, and people are nice to each other. They don't go to war over resources or anything else, and they don't have uh, racism or any, any kind of prejudice and just live in harmony. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah, it would, I guess. I don't know. Let's say, you know, for the sake of argument, let's say, yes, I like it. And, and a, an impressionable, emotional person will soon start to believe that it is right and just to have that society, therefore, not to have it, i.e. status quo, is unjust and wrong, morally wrong. And, by, and also, the theory that promises you that utopian state must be correct because its outcome is morally right. You see? They don't examine the premises. They don't examine the theory. What if that theory is based on premises that are not viable, that are not part of reality? Let's say, wouldn't it be nice to live in the, you know, in huge cities in the clouds and, uh, you know, to have no waste and to not pollute the environment? Wouldn't it be nice to live on a planet where I can afford to buy anything I want and I can start my own Fortune 500 company and, you know, be absolutely independent? Wouldn't that be nice? Okay. The, the difference is, is that, you know, you know, is it, 
you, you get in a, some more insight into the, the sociopathic nature of his mentality, the Ayn Randism, what's going on here, because you, he asks the questions, wouldn't it be nice to have a world with no waste and all that? Well, yeah, I guess, I, I think, um, maybe that'd be nice, you know, like, what? Why wouldn't that be nice? What the hell's the matter with you? You know, duh, that's kind of a no-brainer, you know, but... But he just acts like a casually, well, I'll just, I'll humor you and say that that would be nice. I, I guess there was something else that was supposed to be better. You know, once again, you know, he just, and then he says, they're not discussing the premise. They're not thinking about the premise. Okay, you know who's not discussing the premise here? The person who spent 30 seconds looking at a website. Exactly. You're not thinking about the premise, pal. <laughs> But, but you want us to look at it better, you know, okay, well, I already did. I spent a lot more than 30 seconds on this. I didn't make any snap decisions, and it actually fundamentally changed everything that I held dear because at the time that I watched Zeitgeist of Denim, I was a free market capitalist, and by the time I was finished, it changed my mind. I wasn't hero-worshipping. I rationally thought about it, and... It, it clicked in my head. This is this is the way, and it's not just about me loving the destination. It's that his methods for achieving it were more realistic, a hell of a lot more realistic than assuming that a system that is driven by greed. Okay, I've heard that you know these free market capitalists. When I was in the Libertarian Party, they say that that's it. You're turning greed on itself. They're trying to turn greed into like a a natural resource. Okay, and then just assume that everything's going to be okay. We'll just tell everybody to have a non-aggression principle, and therefore it'll be all right. Then in the same sentence, these people are worshiping Ayn Rand, who says things like she said to the graduates at West Point that the Native American conquering of this continent, the white man killing them, that was within our rights because they weren't civilized and we are. We we're going to develop the land they weren't, so therefore we deserve this land and we deserve to take it from them. Those are her exact words, Okay. That's the example of how this mentality works. You know, I have a funny feeling that, you know, if there was a, another civilization that came along and wanted to conquer him and take his house, you know, because they were more advanced, that they wouldn't feel that way. You know, that's mm -hmm. just, they don't really look into this deep enough. I have examined the premises of free market capitalism. I have looked at the people that these people worship as gods and, I have looked at the hero worship of people like Ayn Rand, and it disturbs me a lot. Mm -hmm. Okay, I also have looked at Jacques Fresco. I've been to his house, talked to him in length. I talk to him regularly. I talk to him and Roxanne all the time. We discuss things. I do sometimes disagree, but then I discuss with him, and I usually agree afterwards, and not because he's using some special brainwashing device on me, but because the guy really has thought about this pretty damn heavily. People do that in 93 years. Or 94. So, you know, he's basically trying to tell us, this is more that, this is the, this is why I call it the popular science debate method. Is he's trying to speak to us and say that the reason we don't agree with him is because we're just, we're, we're, we're following the mentality here of the conspiracy theorists is what they said to, you know, the kids from this change. But in this instance, it's, it's that we have some kind of emotional fascination with this system, and that's why we disagree with him. You know, it, it's not that, you know, they, they, he, then he says things like, we don't, you know, we don't evaluate the premise. What if this premise, he doesn't know the premise, or he wouldn't even be making this video. Exactly. So go ahead, Brandy. 
Um, no, I mean, I just, that's exactly what I thought after listening to both of those videos is he, I, I mean, he does at least admit that he only looked at it for 30 seconds, but I still think, like you said, just the way he puts on a show for the listener, it almost makes it sound like, yeah, but it doesn't matter. I'm an expert anyway. And trust me, they don't plan on displaying any type of realistic way that this can work. They don't go into any details. You know, they just say there's this dream. Wouldn't it be nice? And we're supposed to buy into it. And, and when that's the complete opposite, when it's that we have so much information and so many presentations that explain how it would work. They explain all the concepts that he seems to get completely wrong, but yet, you know, he can make a 10-minute video about how we don't explain anything and how we're just emotionally attached to a dream. Well, when you look at the two videos, he spent about 20 minutes doing that. <laughs> you know, he spent way more time making these videos than he did reading about it. I suppose that's intellectually sound where he comes from. Um, and... That's why I think a large part, of, you know, like we said earlier, the reason that he can't offer anything else is because he, he doesn't have anything else. Mm-hmm. He didn't study anything else. He's just looking to appeal to emotion and reject us and make us scared that this, this smart-looking, confident guy with the glasses on YouTube doesn't like me. I guess I better get out of, YouTube, you know, out of the Venus Project. Okay, well, that doesn't work on me, pal. You're not going to social engineer me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anything else, or should I play the rest? Uh, oh, you can go on. Because because there is no waste because we just magically uh, break down all, all the all the waste and it doesn't go into the environment. Wouldn't it be nice to have floating cities that that don't occupy real estate on the ground? Wouldn't it be nice? Yes. Yeah. I'm going to go back to playing this fairly quickly, but I want to comment on the waste thing. There are means to design things that have no waste. It's called cradle to cradle. Look it up. There's you know actual professionals who know what they're talking about who can comment on the fact that it is completely possible to build things that are cradle to cradle, as in completely recyclable. It's being done now. Watch Big Ideas for a Small Planet. They go over this in length. Okay? They've made entire apartment complexes cradle to cradle. So do you have anything on that, Brandy, before I go on? Nope. Go right in. But these things are predicated on the impossibility, on one possibility, uh, you know, sustained flight with no expenditure of resources cannot happen um, because you have to work against some very real force. Gravity has to work against. What the hell is he talking about? I don't even know. I was just thinking that. Who the hell said that we were going to fly without expending resources? That's one of the reasons why we actually plan on um, using aircraft very little and we want to move to, like, maglev systems. It's because you know that, though, because you only looked at it for 30 seconds. Gosh, right, right, right. Give them a break. Well, then, that's like, yeah, you're right. So, we, we, yeah, we're, we, we, it's predicated on all these premises that don't make any sense. I'm like, we never even said that. What the hell are you talking about? And anyway, I'm going to go back. But to work against it, you have to ex- expend material. Um, and uh, the other thing is, uh, you cannot have no waste. To degrade everything is, at least with the same technology that we have today and for any foreseeable future, it's not going to happen. So uh, these may not be the perfect examples, but uh, you may see what I'm getting at here. If you like the outcome that is promised to you, 
too much, and if you're too emotional, if you, and if you don't examine the premises and the theory that promises that outcome, then you'll become so so attached to that end state picture that you will be totally irrational. That kind of person, they come to you and they say, the Venus Project promises great society, great society, total, uh, you know, happiness for everybody, and no scarcity, and no suffering, and yeah, okay, fine. Well, uh, and and how do you get there? And they tell you, well, you know, you, you just uh, you abolish money, you abolish government, you abolish armies, and everybody lives uh, happily ever after. And you go like, whoa, 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 whoa. And that's going to happen how exactly? Yeah, whoa, 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 buddy. That's not what we said. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not just about turning all those things off, and then that's just going to happen. You have to re-engineer society. And the infrastructure itself. There's a lot more to it than that. Maybe you should spend a little bit more time reading about this before you start making videos about it. You would know that. Anything on that, Brandy, before I go on? No, go ahead. And start looking at their premises, and they just don't hold water. But the kind of person that loves the Venus Project will not listen to you. Because you see... They have bought hook, line, and sinker, the theory, because they like the outcome that the theory promises. They like it too much emotionally. And for them to question the theory or the worldview that promises them that outcome, for them to question that is immoral. They cannot apply reason, evidence, history, empiricism to that. They cannot do it. Incapable of doing that, okay? Because he said so, we're not capable of that. He's not offering. Think, he's not offering any examples. Go ahead, Brandy. No, I I just think it's hilarious that he says we buy it hook line hook line and sinker because we like it so much. But it's amazing to me how many things in today's society that people just buy right into without even questioning it, because either they like it or they don't think they have a choice, or because it's what's familiar, it's what makes sense, it's what the government told us we were supposed to do whatever the reasoning may be, but I just think it's amazing that, you know, like Jacques Fresco, for example, can work on this for 70 years and the rest of us can spend a year or longer researching it, and that means we bought it hook, line, and sinker because we liked it so much. And I'm sorry, I think it's the other way around. I think that when you get on this path that um, you don't even really take the time to analyze because you're kind of just born into it. I mean, it's I mean, I don't know, I don't want to get too much on a tangent here, but just I was talking to my sister. She's only, she's 19 years old, and she goes to East Carolina University. And um, not too long after I started the, the challenge on YouTube, I was talking to her on the phone, and she said that she, she's always wanted to go into marketing and advertising and stuff like that. And after I started getting into the Venus Project, I was thinking, like, oh, God, you know, I just kind of rolled my eyes, like, jokingly, like, I don't, you know, think that's a good idea. Maybe you should get into something more useful something like that, and she said, well, you know, Brandy, I just, I mean, I don't really know what else to do. I don't know how to explain it. It's not really that I want to do it. It's just that, okay, you know how you have to do this thing where you go to school and you get a job and then you just, you know, work every day for however many years until you retire. You know what I mean? It's just like a default plan, and she says, I don't know. 
who set that up? But they didn't ask my permission before doing it. But now, you know, I don't have a choice. And she just basically, <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh, you need to, you know, join the right guys movement because you don't have to follow the default plan. You don't have to. But it's just, I wonder how many how many other people, you know, in the world that are out there thinking these things at the age of 19 or, or you know, like myself, I was thinking that at the age of 13. I'm like, what's, what's going on, you know? But that, to me, is the definition of buying something hook, line, and sinker. You don't even question it. You're just like, this is what I'm supposed to do. All right, cool. See you there. See, free market capitalism depends on that. It's like, That's you true. know, history, you know, it depends on you not thinking about it. I mean, I, only, I was, even when I was a free market capitalist, I was making certain leaps of faith because I trusted Ron Paul on issues of economics more than myself at the time. And when I thought about it, I was like, okay, well, you know, he seems to know what he's talking about, you know, but and I didn't do that. And I, eventually that started, the cracks in that started to fall apart because I'm not very good at that whole thing. That's why I ended up working with Senator Gravel because he was a lot more realistic. Um, but in any case, um, the, the premise is like I said earlier about the, uh, you know, it's actually in the related videos from one of this guy's videos with the guy that I told you about earlier who said that, well, history proves that, you know, productivity increases wages and all that other nonsense. And they really need to believe that. You want to talk about faulty premises, mm -hmm. okay? That may have been true at one time. It's obviously not true anymore, you know, or they wouldn't be outsourcing, you know? It's not, it, you know, and then they also, they always blame it on, oh, it's all about regulations and it's all about, you know, taxes. And, um, well, if that was all it was, then they wouldn't be moving either. You know, it, it, that's just, I don't believe that stuff. But they, they really want to tell you that that's what it is. And, you know, the, they're very aggressive, too. That's the other thing about these people is that they, they spend the whole time talking about freedom. And, you know, they won't tell you what to say. Not as in they won't make it illegal for you to say it, but they'll do things like this. You know, these attack videos, these attack, you know, this and attack that. You know, it, that's, they don't have to make it illegal for you to oppose free market capitalism. They'll just beat you into submission verbally until you go along with it. And if you're ever like, you know, if you're ever outside of that, then there's a problem with you. You know, and so basically, you know, I just, I said that overall, um, he, at this point, once again, I think that he is very much still projecting. Um, did you have anything further, Brandy, before we continue? No, you can continue. Okay. Uh, so to argue with someone like that is impossible. You, you. You ask them, so what is, how, you, how do you account for human nature and uh, uh, self-interest? Oh, there is no human nature. There is no human nature. There's only human behavior. You see, people are, are, are nasty to one another because of scarcity. Remove scarcity, create total abundance, and people will be nice. Well, first, we know empirically that that's not true, that more scarcity and more poverty does not equal um, more uh, immorality, and, and the, the, conversely, uh, the... Uh, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, but... Uh, <laughs> okay, hold on a minute, pal. We know that empirically is not true. Where are you getting your data from? Okay, it does not equal more crime. I mean, we've already been over this, so I don't need to go over it again. Mm -hmm. But where are you getting that idea from? Have you ever lived in the ghetto? 
Have you ever lived, you know, in a, in a place where there's all this, you know, bad economy? You know, you haven't noticed that there, there seems to be this strange dink that goes along with low economy equals more crime? You didn't figure that out? Never occurred to you that Detroit has the highest murder capital in the world and also happens to be a really poor neighborhood? Didn't, you know, I imagine those two things are not related. Obviously, it must be because we have a good hockey team that we're killing each other. What was I thinking? Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, mind you, people do get pretty violent over hockey. But you get my point. This this is ridiculous. There's no empirical data that states that poverty equals more crime. Oh, dude. You know, I want to see your perspective, but I can't get my head quite far enough up. Never mind. (laughs) Anyway, going on. Presence of more abundance. More abundance does not mean more morality and does not mean more just behavior. Uh-uh, no. We, we know that from life, from reality. Um, it, we know that from life and reality. That's I loved they, that statement when I saw that video. I was because, like, are you kidding me? Because he said so. Yep. You know, and, and because he's looking at us and telling us we're stupid, he must be right. Okay. We know that from life and reality. Reality says that, you know, having more money doesn't mean more morality necessarily. Okay. We're not talking just about though, about the morality issue. in so much as we're saying that if there was no money, there wouldn't be any poor or any rich. And he doesn't like the idea that the existence of money is the whole point of corruption. The thing is, is that anytime there's a means by which you can control the resources, there is corruption. It doesn't just have to take place in that. Okay. Um, the, 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 The warlords in Somalia didn't steal everybody's money. They just took everybody's food. Okay, that's an example of how this thing works. And money makes it easier to do that because it's much easier to apprehend a bunch of pieces of paper than it is for you to run off with Red Cross, uh, you know, food donations, which is what was going on in Somalia, as an example. Okay, it is easier to be corrupt. It is easier to control via money. And if you took free market capitalism to its absolute end, anarcho-capitalism, where there's not even a government in your way, then everything would be money. So, did you have any comments before I continue? I know. We'll go right in. Okay. And, and also, how do you create this total abundance? If there was a way to create that total abundance, wouldn't we already have done it? Uh, they never explain how they're going to get there. They base that outcome on the number of seats that are simply not true. They're not found in reality. They're not supported by reality, but they will not argue those points. They can't, and they don't need to. You see, they feel that they are right. They are morally justified in believing something that cannot be believed. So where did he get all that information in his 30 seconds? I mean, I guess we'll read a little bit more or something, because he says that we never approach that, but we approach it all the time, and it's not just stuff that's technology that's Star Trek here. Geothermal power being used in Iceland to power 70, 70 to 80% of the country. That's not Star Trek. That's reality, buddy. <laughs> you can hear my sigh of disgust because he's just like, if we had a way, if we had a way to produce all this abundance, wouldn't we be doing it already? And I've actually heard people make this argument before, and it's the most ridiculous argument ever because basically what you're saying is if something is a good idea, 
wouldn't we be doing it already? And it's like, well, then if that were the case, there'd be no such thing as a good idea. Like everything would just be the same all the time since the time we were here ever on earth right. until now. You know, like treating people equal for being of different races. I mean, you know, if wouldn't treating black people already? like they are people, wouldn't we be doing that already? Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Okay. That's a great example. Well, here's the answer, buddy. You know why we're not doing that? Because of the social engineering of the elite who created this world and engineered it so that you believed that it was right and proper for them to have all the toys, you to have nothing, or to spend your entire life making more toys for them to survive, okay? Social engineering, do your homework, actually know what you're talking about, and then we can talk about utopias, okay? The, the issue, though, is, is that he is basically just, he doesn't understand our premises, and then it's telling us that he does. Okay, we're at the point that we don't, and he hasn't studied by his own admission. Mm-hmm. And then he just goes on, as you said earlier, and just says stuff that we didn't say at all. And then it's like he's arguing with somebody else at that point. That's called yeah. directing a straw man. That's a fallacy. Yep. yep. Seeking abundance through, say, hydroponic farms... That's reality. They've already got one. The funny thing is, is it wasn't even built by any big scientists. There's one in Chicago that produces a million pounds of food a month. And it was set up for, by a local community. It wasn't even that expensive. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, those are reality. The reason he doesn't know about it is because he's too busy being fed everything by Fox News that's going to continue to convince him forever that everything's fine, you know, and that we'll be fine. And this is the best system ever. Best system ever. Working for everybody. Especially the starving people. But they must not have been worthy of freedom. So, Because remember, freedom comes through giving yourself to the monetary system. <laughs> okay. Did, did you have anything further, Brandy? Mm-mm. Okay. We're almost done with this guy's video, and then we'll just kind of open up the talking, and we'll go from there. Cool. Oh, man. So. I can't take any more. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm getting there, man. <laughs> but, but we are still doing a service because we're teaching people about how these people operate so that they can mm-hmm. help for themselves, so that they can not be socially engineered. Here In the go. wrong way. Right. Here we go. If you're rational. But it's their sense of moral justification that allows them to ignore logic. That kind of person is impossible and useless, you know, a complete waste of time to argue with. Don't don't do it. I try to spot these people as early as I can and I either stop talking to them and if they persist and bug me with more comments, I just ban them from the channel because I don't want them to waste anybody's time here. They will not be convinced unless and until they're mugged by reality. The one thing that they need to realize, I was just talking to my wife about this, and I think, okay, so they tell me, oh, my consciousness is not evolved enough to understand the beauty of the vision of the Venus Project. Okay, fine. Their consciousness obviously is evolved enough. Question. Do they act in accordance with that perfect moral vision that they have? Do they act like that every day of their lives? Do they, or do they exhibit some kind of human nature? Our built-in need to follow and fulfill our own self-interest, to be happy. Do they not see the contradiction in their daily lives? How do they account 
for that contradiction. That's the only way you're going to convince anybody. You, okay, their consciousness is already evolved. They see the beauty of the, of the vision of the Venus Project. They want to live there. If only everybody was like them, then the Venus Project would become reality, right? It's wrong, but they believe it's right. Um, well, is that supported by empirical evidence? Do they act in their daily lives in accordance with that perfect utopian vision? No. So would you like some empirical evidence about why capitalism is failing? Would you like some empirical, empirical evidence of that? Um, how about some empirical evidence of how capitalism breeds unnecessary wars? You know, like Iraq. I can give you some empirical evidence about that. <laughs> Things that wouldn't exist outside of the monetary system. He's just trying to tell us, once again, it's all about his condescending talk of, I can't argue with these people because they're so emotionally attached to this idea, they're not going to listen to you. Okay, he hasn't tried to argue with anything. He hasn't provided any data. He just keeps telling us we're stupid or deluded over and over again. Okay, and then the few bits of data that he did provide were wrong. So it just, but he is so emotionally attached to his view that we just must be evil if we're not like him. Mm -hmm. Where have I heard that before? Oh, wait, no, no, let me do it like he did. Oh, where, where have I heard that before? <laughs> you know, that's what both people on, the, on both sides of the Cold War were like. The communists had their propaganda about the capitalists. The capitalists had their propaganda about the communists. You know, the, the truth was somewhere in the middle, okay? You know, um, in that there were flaws in communist Russia, and there certainly are flaws in capitalist United States. Neither of them mm -hmm. are perfect examples of either of the things that they suggest. Martin Luther King talks about that a little bit in his speech about the Vietnam War, about how it was this whole, okay, well, if you're not with us, then you're evil, you know, against us. And if you, if you had, it's basically if you question the war at all or the government or anything like that, you were a traitor. Right. <laughs> yep, I remember. And, you know, for saying stuff like that, he got, you know, J. Edgar Hoover chasing him around because that evil civil rights guy... <laughs> better watch out he might be a commie you know little things like work together be cooperative care about other people uh oh yeah, exactly. that guy. he must be one of those social engineers <laughs> <laughs> the civil rights movement was social engineering in a good way I spent a really long time on YouTube talking to somebody about that um, the person I think on their profile, it said they were like 17 or 18. Um, and, oh, my gosh, they just, I mean, I'm not saying anything about, you know, age discrimination or anything like that, but just the view that they presented was very much that of, I have everything I need, I'm in my room, and I have my computer, and I just have my opinion, and anything you're trying to do to change society is evil and bad and wrong, and it's social engineering and it's manipulation. And I spent a long time talking about how sometimes if you want to implement change in a positive way, it's going to require change. It's going to require educating people. It's going to require talking about these issues, and that doesn't make it a bad thing. And he just stood by the fact that, I'm sorry, if you implement anything artificially by teaching anyone anything, it's not natural. It's not a natural evolution, and that's bad, and it's going to end up like communism, and it's going to be bloody. And I'm just like, are you not – do you not even know what the civil rights movement is? I mean, that involved trying to get people to see things differently and treat people differently 
and it involved education and it involved a movement and it involved participation that, yeah, it wasn't natural, but I mean, if we didn't, you know, if no one said anything about it or did anything about it, who knows where we would be today. And see, ignorant of the fact that, you know, there's all kinds of indoctrination to lean towards the American capitalist system that's given out in our schools. Mm-hmm. You know, I've yet to hear anything when I was in school that was in any way positive or at least objective about explaining communism or socialism. And I, I did that video show. I, I'm not as good at making YouTube, so I didn't venture on it. But the, to, to critique that guy who did the critique of the story of stuff, who was livid that the story of stuff was being played in schools to the point where he did his long you know, like, um, video about it, he was only able to refute like two things that the girl said, and the rest of the time just acted like this guy, you know, making fun of people, attacking people, stuff like that. And that got him on CNN. That's how much the establishment likes you know, people who protect it. You know, mm-hmm. He didn't even have to have any that kind of valid sense. argument. You know, and that's an example of people protecting this from an emotional perspective. You can't argue with them. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard for you to argue with anybody who believes that because productivity increased, your boss is just going to be somehow obligated to give you more money. Okay? It, it's not. <laughs> that, that you, you're going to try to argue with somebody who believes that. In some cases, these people just don't want to hear it. And that's because it shakes up their worldview. A lot of people, they have that dream. No, man, capitalism is going to work for me. I'm going to start my own business. We're going to elect a president like Ron Paul who's going to be all about it. You know, we're going to, have, we're going to free up the markets. And as soon as we deregulate everything, everything will be equal. That concept in of itself falls on its ear. Because if we did just deregulate everything and free up all the markets right now, the people who are still holding all the money would still be in charge. And in fact, it'd be even worse because then there'd be nothing to stop them from just outright owning the world. You know, but they don't, they don't want to believe that. You know, they don't want to believe that any of these people that they talk to, the Mises of the world, you know, Ludwig von Mises was a social engineer, okay? Um, you know, that they, that they lied to them in some way. So anyway, I'm going to play a little bit more of this, and then we'll be done with it, and we can talk some more, and we'll be ready to go. This has been a great show. I'm glad to have you on. So I hope Thank you enjoyed you. yourself. Here we go. But the only way, the only way, I think, you can try and drive a little wedge uh, to crack a wall of emotionalism and to let the reality in. But they may not be willing to go even that far. So I say forget it. Don't talk to them. You can't convince them. Um, They start at the wrong place. They quickly arrive at a very wrong place. But since they're blind to everything but their own emotions, uh, they're blind to reality, they're blind to evidence, they're blind to history, they're blind to reason, they're blind to logic, you cannot talk to them. You cannot talk to them. You have to become like them to talk to them. And you don't want to become like them. Okay? That's all I have to say on the subject. Well, thank God that's all he had to say on the subject. Um, <laughs> you notice he started repeating himself, which is another social engineering thing. You know, just keep repeating the flawed logic over and over again, and then maybe eventually you'll have gotten the person who just doesn't want to talk about it anymore to stop responding. Um, but he keeps repeating that you can't talk to us because we're all, you know, like brainwashed fools and all that other jazz. But um, throughout both of the videos that he made on this subject, he didn't really offer any data at all. Um, he did a lot of uh, what it would amount to is humiliation tactics, um, social engineering, 
Um, he didn't really refute anything, and he certainly didn't answer the Venus Project challenge. All he did was he just basically went on making fun of it to try to make it look less appealing, but he didn't actually really contribute anything. But the scary thing is, is that the average person who doesn't know about these techniques of manipulation is going to look at him and his confidence, you know, and his tone of voice, and they're going to think, well, wow, this guy's really confident. He must know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. That worked for Hitler, too. I'm just going to shout really loud. I'm so confident. I got the solution. National Socialism, come with me. Let's rock and roll. You know, we're going we're gonna to make Germany great. And everybody's going, yeah, make Germany great. Yeah, make Germany great. And kill the Jews. Uh, oh, uh, well, he said that too. Okay, kill the Jews. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, and we're going we're gonna to conquer planets. We're going to conquer other countries and kill everybody there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, well, he said we're going to make Germany great, so let's concentrate on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kill other people in other countries. That's how that stuff works. That's what he's accusing us, us of doing, that we're just right. ignoring points and questions and facts and just sticking to some general idea. But it's like, no, just because you looked at it for 30 seconds doesn't mean that we didn't include facts and information. It just means you didn't look at it. Yep. That's, that's basically it. Um, and I, I think that it's, it's kind of sad, but somebody like this um, doesn't really – they are the ones who are trapped inside their paradigm. It's mm -hmm. obvious because he won't actually get into a real debate. And, I, you know, it's like people are saying in the chat room, you know, I'd love to have this guy on your show. I'd be happy to try to get him on here, but I don't know that it's really going to accomplish anything. Because he, right. if, if, if all he had was what was in that video, he's going to end up hanging up on me. That's true. If, yeah. if he even came on the show, I doubt he would. Right. I, I don't see this dude getting on the air with me. You've got to be kidding. You know, where he might actually be called on that. Mm-hmm. You know, where I might go, well, hey, all right, so um, what, what empirical flaws? You know, I'll make sure, you know, I'll, you know I'd, I'd do it even better. I'd bring Douglas on, because Douglas is back in my chat room. Yay, Douglas. Um, <laughs> and I'd, I'd have him explain to Douglas, the engineer, about why this stuff can't work. But let's hear it. You know? Exactly. So I, I just, um, and, you know, especially, you know, that's the other thing. I Douglas is the guy who did the Awakening YouTube series. I don't know if you watch those. Um, you really should if you haven't, Brandy, though. They're really good. And they provide you a lot of the mm -hmm. hard data about why that system is falling apart. Um, you know, and it, it would be interesting to see him argue with that because the charts and the statistics are all there and they're not in their favor. So um, exactly. people are suggesting that you post the radio show's response to his videos. Um, you know, if you want to do that, you absolutely can. And I apologize again for any technical difficulties. But uh, overall, it seems that those have calmed down. Um, if anybody would like to call in, um, I can add you to the call now. We've got about 10 minutes or so left of the show. Um, are you on the switchboard, Eagles? Okay. <laughs> All right, Eagles, I'll bring you on, dude, but I don't want to talk to you about Islam, okay? <laughs> don't bring that up. I'm not interested in hammering on people's religion. All right. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, you're on the air. Hello? Oh, wait. No, it went off. Hold on. 
There we go. You're on the air. Yeah, can you hear me, sir? Yes, I can hear you. All right, thank you so much for taking my call. Uh, it seems you guys are uh, against Venus Project, it seems. Am I right? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, no, no. We were playing videos from somebody who's against the Venus Project, and we were, we were debating with him. This is V Radio. This is Venus Project Radio. <laughs> oh, is that right? Oh, okay, okay. I just was confused uh, what I read or something. Tune in, okay, okay, Brandy, about what causes her to issue challenge. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, no, no, I, the Venus Project is a clean system, and it's uh, people need to pay attention. You see, we have social crisis in Detroit, in California, 50% unemployment, 45% in Detroit, and many other states. I mean, there is no jobs. I mean, uh, and also uh, people, uh, utilities were shut off, no water, no gas, no heat. That's the basic human rights. I mean, it's been taken from us. And then in Detroit, as a result, so many people, uh, houses were ca caught in fire, and so many people are died as a result of DTE. And so you see, I mean, you see that, I'm sure every, all of your listeners know that. And uh, so basically, uh, you know, uh, if this, this system is so good, so then why we have so much social crisis, social upheaval uh, in this country? Well, yeah, I definitely agree. And, and um, when it comes to the stuff like the unemployment, most people re don't recognize that unemployment is highly underreported um, because of the fact that, you know, that the unemployment rates are registered by how many people have registered for unemployment. Um, after your unemployment has run out, you're no longer listed in those statistics. Um, did you want to say something, Brandy? Um, no, I just, I was thinking the exact same thing when he was saying that, that it is kind of underrated. I mean, specifically, I guess, with the, the statistics that they give, I don't remember what documentary I was watching where they were talking about that, but I guess it's kind of sugar-coated in terms of what exactly is going on with the unemployment rate in this country and, you know, just in general. Right, absolutely. All right, well, thank you for calling in. Did you have anything further? Yeah, I want to just ask Wendy, uh, is it uh, Wendy or Brandy? Is it Brandy online? Brandy, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, it seems that you called uh, Venus Project and challenged them or something. Is that right? No. No, the, my YouTube channel is actually, it's a challenge for everybody to learn about the Venus Project and discuss it with people who advocate the Venus Project. So my challenge is not to the Venus Project. My challenge is to other people that they need to learn more about it before they start oh. discussing it with us. Yes. So, so you are with the Venus Project uh, supporter too? I am too. Oh, very oh. much, yes. Okay, 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 because I read something, so maybe I was confused, because I thought you mm -hmm. uh, had uh, something the, from uh, Mr. Jack and Roxanne is our beloved Venus Project uh, 
And I thought maybe you have. I, I know other people that don't get it. That's the problem because we are selfish, we are arrogant, and as long as we stay in this uh, situation and nobody knows their neighbors and um, we don't form our communities, we don't form our help, I mean, the government is not going to be for us. I mean, now they're giving us a crappy health care. They don't know even what it is in it. They have not read over 1,800, 1,900 pages. And now they're going to say, ah, yeah, ah, no, uh, or something like that. I mean, with the closed eyes. So this is what's happening to our country. So that's why the Venus Project come in to uh, you know, to give us a, b a brighter future, and uh, like Netherlands, people are happy. And why can't we be like them? Why we should not be uh, an example like Israel? They have a free national healthcare. Everybody put money into the big uh, uh, same account, and then uh, all the nationals and everybody uh, get it. And we should also seal the border. Thank you so much for taking my calls. Shalom, my no friend. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for being on. Um, we do have another caller, um, Igor. Yes, hi. Hey, uh, did you have comments about the show? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, all the, the whole thing that the guy was talking about was just one big Fox News sort of fiasco, really. Uh, he didn't put anything up any tangible evidence whatsoever and uh, in, in a way I was disappointed I kind of look forward to people challenging us and going yeah you know what but what if this happens what if Thank this you. sort of situation arises and uh, nothing I actually have more of this challenge with one of my work colleagues uh, than I did with this guy this was just entertainment for me really just like Fox News is you're right. Um, we are now down to the last 90 seconds of the show. Uh, I want to thank you, Brandy, for being on. I definitely want to have you on again later as a panelist to analyze other shows. Um, and uh, thank you, Igor, for calling in. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, once again, yeah, visit thanks for v having me on. Yeah, no problem. Once again, visit vradio.org, v-radio.org. You can see the documentary series that I was just talking about in the must-see section, must TV section for free. Um, and I'm going to leave us with some parting words from Jacques Fresco and Roxanne Meadows. This is Roxanne Meadows. And this is Jacques Fresco. And you're listening to V Radio.